we've given up on church, but not on God. If you'd like to learn more about our locations in Huntersville, Davidson, and Denver, North Carolina, you can check us out online at lakeforest.org. Thanks! Put your hands together. Thunderous welcome to Brent Campbell, huh? Hello. Hello. Sorry. Haven't stopped crying since I met Jesus. So um, we'll be dehydrated before the day is over. Um, so thank you so much, Aaron, for uh, letting me come and share. Um, I love being with you guys. I'm a part of the Lake Forest family. I go to Huntersville. That's where I, I call home. But I love uh, getting a chance to just fellowship with you all. Now, you didn't have a choice because Aaron didn't ask you about it. But it's still polite, you know, to say thank you uh, for having me. Um, and so, um, man, where do, where do I start? Um, well, tonight, we're, well, not tonight, it's today, isn't it? Um, we're going to be sharing, um, I'm going to be talking with you about a passage in Luke 10, verse 38 through 42. Um, it's not very long. Um, and, okay, so first, a few things, like, who's this random black kid, you know, you've never seen before, right? Um, Met a long time ago, but maybe it's it's been a while. Um, my there were so many things I wanted to pull out of this passage, and like so much I wanted to share. And you could tell I'm just like a mess. I'm one of those people that takes the gospel way too seriously. Like that person you don't like to be around because always talking about Jesus. That's me, right? That's the I'm that guy. I've, I've made peace with it. Um, and so there's so much. Like I wanted to be theologically explicit. Like there's so, like Jesus is dropping bombshells in here. He's he's completely subverting the dynamic between between men and women in the day. He's he's prophesying to us about what it's like uh, at the kingdom. That at Jesus's feet there's room for everybody. Like he's opening up roads and ways for people to come and be with him in a new way that was completely countercultural. I wanted to go there. I really wanted to do it, but Jesus said that wasn't the way. So just know I could have, but I'm not. Um, uh, my heart here, and the, there are some stereotypes about black preachers. They may not be all true, but they're true in my case. If you let me, we're going to have church for three hours. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so Aaron gave me 30 minutes, you know, so there's a, there's a clock and everything. So that will be the impossible thing, the thing that God, only God can do. We're going to end on time today. It's happening, Okay. So uh, I'm used to a tradition where people talk back to me. I was talking to a friend of mine. I said the hardest job in the world is being a white pastor because it's just so different, um, the, the reaction. I'm used to people being like, talk about it, preach. You better, you better say that again, you know, from the crowd. And then, and then you go to maybe more majority culture churches, and it's just like... Now, at the end, right, at the end, people come up to you like, my whole life was ruined. You're like, dang, I changed your life and not your face? Like, that's crazy. How'd that happen, you know? Like, it never happened before. So, all that to say, you have complete freedom to respond in whatever way is authentic to you because I'm going to do my best to do the same. Let me open up with prayer first, uh, and then we'll just kind of dive in. Dad, I thank you um, that you love us. I, I, I thank you um, that out of all the things Jesus could have called you, out of all the things, all the names that you had, um, he made a declaration that your highest covenant name was Abba. That in you, every orphan um, 
has a home. Lord, for those that are in here that don't know that about you, that don't know that you're not a master looking for more servants or a general looking for more soldiers to fight in your army, that you are a father who's in search of his lost children. If they don't know you, would your Holy Spirit lead them um, closer to your love? And for those of us who have forgotten our first love and have become entrenched in things that do not matter and will not satisfy, would you remind us? Would you give us the courage to repent? Um, We're tired of being afraid to trust you, but we don't know any other way. Will you show us? I pray all this in your name. Amen. So... I'm going to read this out first. I'm going to give you the Brent commentary uh, while we do it, and then, and then we're going to be on time. Um, okay. okay, okay. Um, so, so just a little background. Um, Jesus, right, the Bible. If you want to know anything about the Bible, Aaron can answer all your questions, all the things. Why is there suffering? What about the dinosaurs? Aaron knows all the answers, okay? And so I'm going to let him summarize everything up to them. I'm going to summarize Luke 10. Jesus has been doing uh, ministry for a while now. Um, he's, he's a fixture in, 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 in his area. He's actually just come back from sending out uh, his disciples. First, he sends out 12, two by two. They go out um, kind of proclaiming the, the good news that there's this kingdom, that heaven is coming to earth now, and you can be a part of it. They come back and they rejoice. Then 72 are sent out. And they do the same thing. They go and they travel in pairs and go to towns and they, and they talk about the good news. They proclaim that there's a guy named Jesus and, and, and he's talking about this new kingdom that everybody gets to be a part of. They come back, right? And so now we're all on the road and we're walking. <coughs> sorry. And they're coming back and they're passing through a place called Bethany where uh, Mary and Martha, who are two disciples of his, uh, which would have already been strange because they're women, uh, but Jesus is the goat, and he's, uh, he's doing new things, right? And, and so Mary and Martha open up their home. So we're not quite sure how many people are in this home. It's at least 13, 12 plus 1, but it could have easily been closer to 100, 72 plus some followers, right? So, so it's a party, okay? And this is where it picks up. It says, as Jesus and his disciples are on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? I've been there before. (laughs) Tell her to help me. This is dangerous when you start talking this way, I'm telling you. Um... And he says, Martha, Martha, when Jesus says your name twice, you know, it's too much. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what's better, and it won't be taken away from her. Right? So that, that's the whole thing. The treatment that I want to offer on this, on this passage uh, is Jesus is asking Martha to do a dumb thing. Right? So if, if there's a first point, I don't normally, you know, I have points. I just talk until people kick me off the stage. That's what I normally do. But uh, if, if there's a first point, um, it's that Jesus is asking Martha to do something that's dumb. So, so culturally, Martha is supposed to be preparing the meal. 
This is a culture of hospitality as, as it is still today in the Middle East, right? That when guests come, it's a mark of shame if you don't have something for them to eat, right? There's preparations to be made. And all of a sudden, not just any guest, but the guest is coming to stay at her home. There's only two women there. And so it is their job. It's, it's not just their job. It's, it's the role that, that society, culture has put on them and said, this is what you're here for. It's not just what culture has said. It's what they believe about themselves. Like, this is what Martha's supposed to be doing. She's doing the right thing. This is actually worship for her, right? She has no other role in this setting other than to provide a meal for the rabbi, which is a worshipful act. Like, it should be fine, right? And so when she goes to Jesus, the response should be, you're right, Mary, what are you doing here? This is the place for men. You shouldn't even be here. Go help your sister because that's where you're supposed to be. And instead, he gives a completely different answer. He says, no, actually, Mary's doing the better thing. You worry about too much. You should be more like your sister. Well, before we get into all like the spiritual feelings and like the things that we probably won't take to with, with us when like we leave here, this is dumb. It's dumb. You know, this is helpful. I know that you guys read the Bible sometimes. You're like, man, this seems like very bad advice, right? And because this is bad advice, the reality is Martha's in a place where she's left between two bad choices. This is at least in her mind. Either she takes time to prepare the meal and she misses out on being with Jesus or she sacrifices everything that her culture tells her is right and she goes to be with Jesus and don't nobody eat. Like, that's it. Like, and everybody's hungry. You know, that's it. Like, there's the, like, she is being asked to do something that does not make sense, that at its core is deeply impractical. So that's the language that I want us to think about as, as I share more. And, and all I can ever offer to you is my own repentance, right? I'm never going to talk about something I ain't experienced because uh, I think that that's uh, heresy. And um, I, I want to talk to you about what I know. So I'm only going to talk to you about the things I know. Some of it may be a little tight. A little, uh, I'm coming to you as a brother. That's, that's my job. My job isn't really to pastor you. I'm a brother in the faith, so I get to say things. You know how your brother will tell you things that your dad wouldn't, you know, maybe your pastor wouldn't. Like your brother will say, like, hey, man, you're getting to that age. You need to start putting on deodorant. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> that's something your brother will say. You know, not everybody can say that to you. You need a certain type of relationship, right? So I'm your brother in Christ, right? And so we're all on the equal playing field here. And, and so just hear my heart. Read between the lines. If there's anything that I say that's a little maybe too much, like I, I want to apologize in, in advance. I, I just only know what I know. <laughs> um, I became a believer about six years ago. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home, doing all the right Christian things. I was the nicest little Christian kid in the world. Uh, my dad's a pastor. He's a good pastor. Uh, everything he ever preached, he did. Every little word he said in the pulpit, he lived out. Everyone. My mom prayed. When I say she prayed, I mean she prayed. I mean night after night, oil stains on your face, <laughs> 3 a.m. in the morning because you're coming in praying for people. You know, it's too much. Oil stains everywhere, whole house, Right? I grew up in the most perfect Christian incubator I could have grown up in. 
right? I, I was completely privileged. I never wanted for anything. I couldn't have had a better life. My dad's better than your dad. My dad can beat up your dad. You know what I'm saying? Like the whole thing, best dad in the world, best mom in the world. Like this is just great. And I led worship and I taught Bible studies and I evangelized to my little wayward friends, you know, my, my atheist and agnostic, like, you know, wayward sinning friends. I did all that stuff and I didn't know Jesus. I heard about him. I, I read his book, I sang his songs, I went to his building, heard about him, never met him. Worshipping, talking about him, trying to get other people to him, didn't know him. N- lived my whole life that way, people encouraging me that I had something I didn't, I just didn't have it. There were times when I suspected I didn't, but everybody was so wrapped up in all the good things that I did, all the preparations that I made, that they were fooled just like I was. Then I got to a place where everything fell away. I poured my life into an idol that could not satisfy me. I was certainly running on empty, and I had nothing. And in the middle of uh, an attempt on my life, I had a miraculous encounter with Jesus, and he rescued me. I was, I was at this place where I was like, man, if you're not real, I was pretty sure if God was real, he's the God of the Bible, but I wasn't sure if he was real. And I was like, if you're not real, there's no hope. It's just logical. I'm wasting my time. If you aren't who you say you are, the, actually, the only thing worse than you not being real is not being who you said you were. Right? And so I'm just wasting my time. If you're not real, there's no point in being here. I could even live my whole life for myself, and it wouldn't matter. What's that next to eternity? Let me get this over with. And in the middle of that, the Lord met me, um, and it changed my life. became a believer in my room at about 7 a.m. with nobody around, July 7th, about six years ago. Um, and, and so everything that I, I share today, like it, it comes out of that. I, I, I don't want to... Um, my fear anytime I'm speaking to anybody, my, my students, myself, the mirror, like, like anybody, is that I'll go back to what I was doing. That I'll sing about him and I won't believe the words. That I'll read a book about him and I'll not know him. That I'll be close to him but I'll never quite be close enough. That I'll have missed the point. That I'll spend my life toiling and worrying and only when everything else is taken from me what does he say and it will not be taken away from her everything else in life eventually gets taken from you like your health is going to be gone one day your money is not yours right your career your identity your relationships all of these can be taken away easily in a moment and the only thing that's going to last is what was eternal to begin with Right? And that's where I was at. I filled my life with things that did not last. And finally, when those things were taken away, I realized I had nothing. I never want to be that way again. And I don't want that for anybody else. So, what does that have to do with Luke 10? Okay. I'm still in my intro. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's been like, it's been like 12 minutes. I'm still in my intro. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So, so, so. Um, right, like I'm saying, right, so culturally, Martha's doing the right thing. Mary has got it wrong. Mary's in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like, Martha is doing everything that she's, that she's ever been told to do. And, and, and she's doing it with a good heart. She thinks it's worship. This is, like, don't move past it. 
Like she really believes that this is worship. The king of the universe is in her home, and the only thing she can think of is, well, I need, I need to, there's things to prepare. There's, there's things to do, and she's not wrong. What Jesus is asking her is dumb. It, it, someone somewhere along the way is going to miss out on something. And that's a burden. Like, what do you mean? I, I can just sit down at your feet. Who's going to cook the food? All right, Jesus, I know you, all your little spiritual mumbo-jumbo about being a better person and forgiveness and redemption, all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, cool. But in the real world, that's not how it works, man. People got to eat. You know, like, like it sounds good. Like, it, but people have to eat. My, my heart is about practical discipleship. How do we apply Scripture and the life of Jesus practically? So, so as an example, it, it's, it's a lot like... Um, what story do I want to tell? I was already talking to Aaron. I was like, ooh, I only have, I deal with college students, so all my stories are like rated X. Um, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, so, so I'm like trying to find a good one. Um, so, well, here's a personal one. Here's a personal one. Um, so here's how this practically looks, right? Like, just offering you my own repentance. Like, I was, man, I was here. Um, I was, it wasn't even that long ago. I had just moved to Charlotte. I was living with a guy. I just like, rented a room, right? One of those situations where you rent the room, other people rent rooms, you don't get to pick your roommates, whatever. Uh, my roommate uh, is about a 30-year-old white guy. He's an alcoholic, um, he's a violent, wicked man, and, uh, he's, and he's not a believer. Um, and, uh, and, and so, and he's also, sorry, the, the point is he's racist. That's a, <clears throat> sorry, forgot that part. So, so and, and he's racist, right? So, so this is the only interaction that we've had. The first day I moved in, I was like, hey, bruh, I'm a believer. I don't know if you are, but that means that all my stuff is yours, right? So anything I buy, yours. Eat it, man. Don't ask me if there's something in here you want to use. It's yours because that's Jesus's relationship to me. I'm just trying to evangelize. I told you I take away two zeros, right? So, 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 so I'm just, you know, that was the only thing we ever talked about. Like, hey, man, come in here, get the Wheaties, do whatever you want, man. Do it. It's yours. Um, that was our only interaction. Uh, but he had uh, other thoughts, and so um, there's a lot to that story. I could, I could tell you more, but we shared a wall, um, and he had these two huge speakers, like <laughs> like these, really, that he would put up against the wall, and he had gun earmuffs so he could go to sleep, but what he would do, whenever I got home, and, I, and sometimes I get home at 2 or 3 a.m. coming from campus doing ministry, um, and I come home, and whenever I got home, he would play KKK speeches and Trump rally speeches all night so I can sleep. Walls vibrating. All vibrating, right? And he'd be fine because he could, you know, he had the gun in his and it's it's cool. But I couldn't sleep. Um, it was hard for me. It, it, it dealt with my pride as a man. I'm like, really, what I should do? I should break down his door and I should beat him to death with my shoe. That's what I thought. But I was like, that's probably not. That's probably not what Jesus did. You know, at the very least, probably not. Um, and, and, and I wrestled with, I mean, just felt emasculated, like, Lord, just letting somebody treat me like this? Like, what am I supposed to do? And, and then it was messing with my sleep. I was so tired. I would come home from work and ministry, and, and I'd want to just rest, and he would wait till I got home. So it didn't matter if it was 2.30 or 3 or whatever. When he heard the door close, he would turn it on. Right now, when we had these altercations, we would talk about it. And he, was, he, he said that when, this is the type of guy he was, he was like, when black people die, because black people don't have the same capacity for emotions as white people, so when black people die, it doesn't hurt as much, which is why you guys are good for slaves, because you didn't feel pain like the way white people do. That's what he, that's what he told me. And, uh, no, I was to say something bad. <laughs> but um, either way, and, and those are our interactions, and God had made it clear that he wanted me to love him. 
Um, and I was like, Lord, I, I, I don't know how. Like, this is impossible. Like, what are you talking about? And I remember one night, I come home around 2 or 3, and I'd just been doing ministry all day, probably like 15, 16 hours, way too much, right? Came home, and I just want to rest, and here it goes, just thumping, 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 right? Um, and I remember saying to, and I prayed this prayer, like, Lord, don't you care? Like, come on, man, like, what am I supposed to do? And I was like, Lord, let me call the police. And he was like, no. He's like, Brent, if I wanted you to call the police, I would have sent somebody else there, right? I sent you there because you know me. He's reacting the way he's supposed to be, but you're not. And I was like, but what about me? Like, what's going on? Like, like come on, Lord, like, this, this doesn't make sense. Like, what, what about me? And the reality was that at the end of it, my priorities were wrong. The reality is that Jesus was in the room with him, right? That's where Jesus was sitting, and, and I value whatever I thought was the, the most appropriate form of worship. I value that more than I did being with Jesus. And, and the reality was that Jesus wanted me to stop the noise by evangelizing to him. Like, it would be a lot easier. I mean, I could have pushed him off down the road, but it would be better if he just became a Christian. Like, that's... That'd be the best thing, that, that if he knew someone loved him enough, that they'd accept him even though he was a wicked man, right? And, and, and so that's what I did. So I lived with him for another eight months, and I loved him. And he would push me, and he would do certain things that deserved to get checked, but I didn't do it. And I didn't do it because the Bible says that you should love those who hate you. That's it. See how impractical that is? You see how impractical loving someone who hates you is? Like, that's dumb. It's a very simple thing, but Jesus, that's dumb. How could that ever fix anything? Martha's in a similar place. Like, you want me to, to serve you and be with you? Yeah, cool, Jesus. Oh, you know, oh yeah, I love you. Uh, but people have to eat. And, and so I want us to engage with the, uh, the impracticality of what Jesus is asking us for. And, and I, I want to actually give you good news that when we live this way, we live a better life than we could have lived otherwise. And, and, and we'll, get to, we'll get to what happens practically at the end, right? But I just want you to know that when I tell you some of this stuff, it's not just like I'm saying it. I, I live it. I don't live it perfectly, but this is a part of my life. So when I was thinking about this story, I was thinking about one of my students. Um, I won't use her name, but um, I was discipling her for a while, and she's growing with the Lord. Great. And a, a, and a friend in her life um, got a brain tumor. And um, it, so she's 19 years old with a brain tumor. She's not sure if she's going to live or die. Real. Just real life, you know? Um, like, like she needs to know Jesus is real. She doesn't need a good book. She doesn't need a Christian cliche. She doesn't need to, like, come to church and, like, sing songs. None of those are bad. They're just not the most important thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're just not the best thing. And that's all better is implying. It's not implying that things suck or are bad. It's just saying one thing is better than another. Better implies priority. That's all it is. Right? And, and, and so she's looking at her friend, and she's seeing that her friend's life has changed, and she has a, a level of peace in the middle of storms that she doesn't have, and she needs that right now because she's 19, and her life is flashing before her eyes, and she needs something that's going to give her what her friend has. So, so she's talking to her and says, hey, I want to know more about Jesus. And so she comes to me and says, Brent, like my friend, like she wants to know about Jesus. I'm going to have you meet up with her, blah, 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 so you can help her. I'm like, what are you talking about? Why would I meet up with her? She's like, well, this is a really serious case, you know, like, like she's got to, she might die. And I'm like, yeah, but that's why you're in her life. 
That's what discipleship is, you know. Like, you forgot what this is about. Like, this is, uh, I'll help you help her, but I'm not going to help her. If Jesus wanted me there, I'd be her friend. Be her friend. All right? Stop outsourcing the gospel to other people. Right? Like, that's not a thing. There is nothing in the relationship with Jesus that's not personal. It's never, ever business, ever. No part of it. So even though she thought she meant well, but like, oh, man, I'm bringing it to you. But, like, but when you graduate and you're in the real world, I'm not going to be there. And what happens when it's the next person who's dying that wants to know about Jesus? What are you going to do? Bring it, like, try and bring him to your path? Like, like stop. Like, that's, you're burdening Aaron because you won't do your job. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> let me come back. So, so she was like, okay, so, so I help her, and, and they start doing Bible studies together, and, and she's, like, coming alive. Like, she broke up with her boy. Every, look, everybody's had a bad boyfriend or girlfriend. Like, there's always at least one no-good relationship, right? And so she, she was wrapped up in this thing and, and surrendered that to Jesus and gave it up for him, and, and now she's in Bible studies, and she's learning about Jesus, and she's, she's following the Lord, right? And it's amazing what's happening in her life, right? Like, there's... The, Insane, right? Amazing. And other girls are starting to get involved. They're just like watching. And so now the Bible study has grown from two people to three, three to four, four to six. Right? And now there's like seven girls and they're just praying together and meeting. It's just, it's hype, right? So three, three, four weeks later, she comes to me and she's depressed. And she really opens up with much like Martha responded. This is why it reminded me of her. She was like, Brent, the Lord doesn't care about me. I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, I've been doing all this stuff with so-and-so, right? And, like, she's growing, and God's, you know, he's moving, but I, I, failed, I failed two tests, right? Like, like I, I feel like I'm, I'm, my GPA is, like, terrible right now. Like, I'm failing out of school. I've, I failed two huge tests in classes that I really, really, really need. And, like, maybe I just need to pull back. Like, like, this, like this can't be it. Like, she called me at 3 a.m. because she's crying. She's mourning, right? Like, she's in this place. It's not all roses, right? She thinks she's dying. Now, more, you know, she's her. One day, they all prayed together. And then when she went to the doctor, the tumor was gone. You know, whatever. So take what you will. You know, whatever. It's fine. But the point is, she's okay now. Right? But at this time, she doesn't know that. And so she's calling my student at 2, 3 in the morning, like, hey, will you come over? She's starting to have nightmares. So she's like, can I stay with you? Right? And, and it's just work. She's just loving her friend. It's hard. It's not always easy. It's not always, uh, you know, kept in, like, all its little boxes. Like, there's no Christian box. To, like, put all, like, your Christian friends and need you there. Like, like, it's just life. She's living life with her and trying to love her the best way she can. And it's getting in the way of her studies. Uh, she had a test she was studying for, saved up the whole day to study for it, but a friend had a crisis, called her, and she spent the rest of the day up till 4 a.m. with her, and then she had the test at 8 a.m., and she failed it, bombed it. Real bad, like a 16, you know, like, dang, bro. Like, like whoa, you really failed. Uh, <laughs> like, you can't even adjust that. Like, there's no curve for that. You know? So, so <laughs> you really failed. And so she comes to me, and she's like, man, she, she's despondent almost, right? And, and she tells me the story, like, I think I need to pull back. And, and, I, and I let her go because I've been there before. And, and so after she shared and she was done, I was just like, I tried to be gentle. And keep in mind, we have a relationship. She became a Christian with me. Like, she knows I love her and care about her. So I can be, you know, I'm her brother in Christ. So I can be a little firm with her. And, and, and I said, hey, I, I get it. But you, you believe a lie. What makes you think Jesus cares if you graduate? 
what do you mean, Brent? Like, I'm in school. I'm in school to, like, graduate and get a degree and get a good job. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but what part of Scripture makes you think that the king of the universe died so you could graduate from college? Like, just show me, right? Because I'm all about, hey, if it's not in here, don't do it. Right? And she's like, but no, like, okay, stop. You're doing your thing. You're being too Christian. Like, you're taking this, like, stop, okay? Like, it's real life. Like, Brent, you, I need to graduate. No, 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 no. You, you don't need to graduate. Now, now, keep in mind, I'm not saying she shouldn't graduate. I'm not saying she should study for a test. I'm not saying that those are good things. They're just not the best thing. They're not the number one thing. And what happened was she was following Jesus, and then following Jesus got inconvenient. The things that she was used to, I mean, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of theology that could say, well, hey, as a student, that's part of your worship, right? Like, to be a good student, like, that's like honoring the Lord. I'm not saying that's not true, but if Jesus isn't first, then who cares? And I was like, hey, I need you to think. Okay, imagine at the end of your life, you're standing before the Lord, and he's giving you an account, right, of everything you did. Do you think it's likely he's going to say this? Hey, yeah, you, you abandoned your friend while she was dying because it got really, really hard. But man, aced that chemistry exam. Like, look, that's way better. You, you, you can't imagine it. But Brent, like, we live in a world like, like my parents are paying for me to go to school and like this. Ma- hey, I'm sorry if your parents have convinced you that life is about getting a good degree, getting a good job, going and having a nice, comfortable life, but there's nothing in this book that says that that's what you were made for. My job is not to cultivate a place for you to be more comfortable. My job is to help you live life to the full, and the reality is that you are worried and anxious about things that do not matter. So what am I supposed to do, Brent? Like, just stop studying if that's what it takes? Wait, that's, hey, okay, that's a lot, right? Like, even some of you are like, I don't know, man. That's a good thing, you know, that's weird. But, but the reality is, right, it's not about things not being good. It's that the best thing is always first. That's all it is. It's just priority and the reality and I know this for myself I remember when I I, because I went through the same thing I did it I did the thing right so I'm not just saying this stuff because it sounds good I'm saying that this is the way I live my life and that's what I told her I was like who do you know that has the life you most want to live she's like well you I'm like yeah stop taking advice from people who don't have what you want All I can help you do is live a life that's more surrendered to the guy who says he'll give you everything. That's all I can do. That's the only life I live. And the reality is I don't have as much money as you. My career is down the drain. A campus ministry is is a dead-end job, you know. Um, It's just just over for me from here, right? Right, all the things I said no to a very high-paying job to come and fundraise full-time to share the gospel with people who mostly don't care half the time, right? That's what I do. And I am happier than you'll ever be. I live a fuller life. There's more hardship in my life, and there's way more joy in my life. And I just want you to have what I have. That's all I'm, that's all I'm offering. Now, if, if somebody else in your life is living the life that you want, right, then like, cool, do that thing. All I'm telling you is that I think I believe Jesus in Matthew 6 when he says that if you seek the kingdom first, 
everything will be added to you. And I, I lived that life. That was what I did in college. I remember one time I, was, uh, I woke up in the morning, spent time with the Lord. He said, skip class. I just want you to spend time with me. I'm like, ooh. I don't need a lot of help to skip class, so sure, fair enough, right? Right, so, 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 so I skipped, right? And he was like, no, but I want you to go sit outside of your classroom. And I was like, okay, that's, hey, that's, and now I'm rebuking Jesus, right? I'm like, oh, Satan, get behind me, you know? And it's like, and Jesus is still standing right there, right? And, and so I go, right, and I'm like, all right, Lord, so, so I'm just sitting in front of the class, and the teacher walks past and is like, and just walks in, I'm like, hi. And, and I'm reading my Bible. And wouldn't you know it, about five minutes later, a student walks past, and she says, what are you reading? And I was like, I'm reading the Bible. She's Libyan, in the Middle Eastern. Um, she's like, I've heard about the Bible. So you believe in Jesus? I was like, yeah. She's like, so this is the book about Jesus? I was like, yeah. She's like, will you explain it to me? And I was like, yeah. So we sat down in front of my classroom, and, we, and I shared the gospel with her for like the next three hours. Right? And, and, and the reality is later that week I had a test, right, and I completely failed it. Right? The story is, now there's been times I've like prayed and left, and then I just knew the answers. Like, no lie, like did it. But that wasn't one of those times. It doesn't always end that way. It's just I, when I think about the trajectory of my life, when I think about the end of it, what will I be more proud about? that I helped someone get into eternity or that I attended a class that didn't matter. This is the impractical life Jesus is trying to get people to live. Like, I'm already out of time. Um, he's trying to get, get people to live. And, and it's hard. It's deeply, deeply impractical. Now, the end of the story, right? She, she went, she cried and cried and cried and cried and said, but Brent, this will change everything. That's the point. This is too hard. I was like, if it doesn't feel like you're dying, you're not doing it right. Okay? That's the goal. But this could be the end of me. That's the point. That you lay down your life and you pick up a better life. That's the whole thing. I know it's hard. I've been there. I'm there every day. When Jesus be asking me to stop people in Walmart and talk to them about Jesus and I look stupid. And I've gotten to see both sides. Get away from me. Like, what are you doing? Like, leave me alone. And I've also gotten to see people come to faith right then. I was in a restaurant about two weeks ago, late, by the way, because I run late, I'm telling you, uh, late to a conference about spirituality. And while I was in, a, uh, in the restaurant, God just highlighted this guy, long story short, um, I go and, and share. And I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do, but I just, like, shared with him, like, the gospel. And he sat, he looked at me, and it's a 50-year-old white guy, and it was in Stanton, or uh, Statesville. And I was like, ooh, I don't know. You know, we'll see how this goes, right? <laughs> Uh, just, uh, just random black kid come up to you, you know, ambush you while you're eating Thai food. And, and so he just looks at me, and I'm like, okay, here we go. We'll see what happens. And he just cries and cries and cries. And he said, actually, I was just about to take my life, and I knew I needed to get out of the house. I asked the Lord to give me a sign that I should keep going. And then you came and told me that God's eyes were on me, and he hadn't forgotten about me. Right? And keep in mind, that's not a me story. That's just the guy who's doing dumb things story. You know, like that's, the point is, right? Like, and, and so I'm saying all th- that to say that in this, right, what's happening is Martha is, is understanding that the thing everyone has told her she's supposed to care about, just like my student. Like, no, you're, you're in college. This is the best time of your life. And this is where you set up your whole life. And 
and you hear the language, your life, your life, your life, your life, your life. This is when you do things for you. This is the, the time for all of that. And like you need to do this. This is actually worship. Actually, this is going to bring you closer to Jesus. Jesus wants you to graduate. This is what he wants you to do. And it's not like he doesn't. He just doesn't want you to graduate if you don't get closer to him. You're in college to meet God. That's why you're in college. That's your first priority. You're at your job to meet God. You're not there to cut a check. You're not there to pay bills, even though it's bills exist. That's not why you're there. You're there to meet God and to know him more and to help other people meet him. And if it's not the first thing, you're always going to find yourself chasing things that do not satisfy. And only when you run on empty will you realize you didn't have anything at all. That's the trajectory of it. Whatever we worry over, we worship. That's, that's what's happening here with Martha. Like, she's missing the point. And, and I guess I'll end this because I have no time. Um, but come holler at me afterwards if you want to hear something. Um, I think the biggest part here is that not only is Jesus inviting Martha to come and sit with him and, and be with her to, to neglect everything she's supposed to be doing. Like, it's not a smart move. What happens to the food? Um, not only is he doing that, but you've got to keep in mind Martha is preparing food for the guy who every time there's no food, he, like, just makes food. <laughs> like, Jesus had fed, like, 12,000 people roundabouts by this point, right? So, so we come full circle, and it's not that the things don't get taken care of. What happens is the relationship between guest and host switch, right? She thinks she's hosting Jesus. No, Jesus is hosting her. Everything has already been prepared. Worst case scenario. Now, we don't get to see what happens, but... We're just thinking logically. Ain't nobody ever gone hungry around Jesus. It's, it's never happened. And this is what happens when we engage in this life. We put ourselves in places for miracles to have to happen. The comforter can't come to us because we're already really comfortable. You're already so comfortable. Why, like, why does he need to move in your life? Why does he need to show you something like that? And so actually Martha is being invited to be uncomfortable and meet the Jesus that she's known all along and see him to be true. And that's what I'll leave you with. This idea that there's, man, there's such a better life. Like, I got so many stories, but it's just because I'm dumber than you are. That's it. You know, it's like, it's not a gifting thing. I just take more risks. And, and they're impractical. Like, uh, like, I stayed with him for another eight months, and he didn't become a Christian at the end of it. Now, we became friends. Uh, I hope I planted a seed, but I don't know. And I, and I should have done other things, but Jesus was with him. Jesus loved him, and so I needed to stay wherever Jesus was. My student, right, like, her friend uh, ended up getting healed. Like, somehow, one way or another, right? I don't, I don't know. We can talk about that later, but the point is, she's fine now. And now eight of her friends are in relationship with Jesus, Right? And, and, but it didn't, that wasn't, like, it didn't happen overnight. Like, she had to trust him through a lot of really hard things. She's making good grades now. By the way, she's going to graduate. It's fine. Right? <laughs> like, it's all worked out. Okay? It's cool. But she had to experience that first. And, and I just want that for us. That's, that's, that's what I have. Um, let, me, let me pray.